So, mom, the way podcasts work, it's really not that difficult. You just start talking. We're going to have a simple conversation. There's no need to put on any um, <coughs> professional voice. It's okay if you cough. Everybody coughs. Some people get real awkward until they drink. get comfortable. You can drink all you want. Yeah, I mean, we know a podcast so? like that where somebody got turned. Tyler did. I mean, he said some things to say, hey, edit this out, but it's fine. Is that the one that I, ca- I remember I heard him and he said, wait, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, everyone seems to, like, I don't know, if, if you want to say something incriminating, that's on you. You could also ask me to take it out, and I'll take it out. But I'll have to start. Good, whatever time it is, everybody. This is Trey Allen from the I Speak Coast Switch Podcast. Today I am joined with my future mother-in-law, Miss Sandra Herndon. And we're going to have a simple conversation about a historical event that occurred in 2005, was it? 2005. So today we will be talking about Hurricane Katrina, kind of a survivor story or an account from a person who was impacted by Hurricane Katrina from the state of Mississippi. As most people know, Hurricane Katrina was big but due to what it did to Louisiana or New Orleans more specifically. But what people do not talk about actually is how hard it hit Mississippi. Ironically, it hit Mississippi the hardest. Uh, Facts say it affected about 15 million people. It impacted about 90,000 square miles of territory from Florida all the way over to eastern Texas. The winds topped at 175 miles at its peak. And what people don't know is the storm surge hit the Mississippi coast for about 30 feet wide, right? Is that right? High. High. That's high. It produced about 33 tornadoes, but... We're not going to be doing a fact check. We're going to be having kind of a conversation about just what happened. So, Mom, my first question to you will be, when did you guys make the decision that you were going to leave the state to reevacuate? Um, well, the storm grew very, very quick. And being somebody who works in retail, I had to work. I had no choice but to work because we had to be there for the customers. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I was working overnight, and I can remember um, everybody was at home here, and I was going to work. And at that point, it was, I want to say it was a three, possibly. So y'all weren't worried much with a three? or Kind of, yes. Being as close, I mean, we're only a half a mile off the beach. So, yes, of course we were concerned. But, um... I mean, we had been here for a three before, and um, we should add in that people t- typically on the coast start contemplating leaving at a three. Right. Okay. So I could remember Haley's here also, guys. I could remember being at work, and everybody started talking, and it was a twenty-four hour store. So when we started getting crazy busy, and people were buying anything and everything that they could get their Milk hands and bread? on, no. Oh. Anything, or, beans, dry beans, rice, anything, anything that they could get. Um, I tuned in to um, a radar and we saw that it was growing. And it went from small to filling up the Gulf Coast. Oh, wow. And regardless what degree it came in at or what stage or what, you know, two, three, four, five, whatever it was. Being in the co- in, in the Gulf for that long, twirling, it's steadily pushing water, steadily pushing water. So even if, 
it would have been a three coming in. How much is the stayed? water that it pushed was would have been devastating. Okay. So where'd y'all choose to evacuate? Oh my god. <laughs> I literally called home and Anthony was living here at the time. And I told him, I said, I don't care what you have to do. You call anywhere. The first place that has an open availability for a hotel, we're going. Oh, so a lot of people were like, there was not many places, what, 50 miles, you couldn't get anything? 50. Uh, we ended up going to Valdosta, Georgia. That's kind of at the top uh, of Florida, isn't it? Right. Georgia. No. It's at the top of... um. Yeah, Valdosta's I mean, right. We, you we, have to cross into Valdosta's the last city before you hit Florida, but that's like near Tampa. Near the Tampa no, it was Valdosta, Georgia. It was. I mean, it's right into Georgia. But we're looking it up on the map right now. That's Florida. <laughs> see. Oh yeah, it, it. But here's the crazy thing: to go from here to. Oh, I don't know. I mean, because we're in Malexi, uh huh, right off of Highway ninety. For us to go from here to Ocean Springs on I-10 During her took time. roughly 45 minutes. I mean, it was stand still traffic. You so to go less move. than 10 miles, it took you almost an hour? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And it was nuts because, I mean, it was stand still traffic. And it was so crazy and so bottlenecked. Everybody trying to get out of here when they realized. How um, bad it was going to be? Absolutely. And so you got to remember, though, because the people from New Orleans, no one knew which way it was going to go. So they're evacuating and they were coming this way. Uh-huh. So we're trying to get away from here. And they're backing you up from the and back. Everybody's and everybody's You're going. trying to leave forward. So pretty much everybody's stuck. Right. And My you couldn't question really would be, go why wouldn't anybody? Why wouldn't everybody be knowing we're trying to get out of here? So why can't we all keep the flow of traffic we going? We were. But, I mean, there were people... Because you got to remember, when everybody realized, everybody started going to get gas. Uh. So the the interstate was looking like a parking lot because people would literally run out of gas right there, get out and leave their cars. And go what they were doing, I don't where they were going from there, I don't know. That's crazy. But it was so bottlenecked that because you figure it was five of us evacuating okay. for us, and um, actually. Was yeah five five of us evacuating. So you had of, give me the ages of the people evacuating for you because you, husband, how old is your oldest daughter at that time? Ten, I think. Two thousand five. Yeah, ten. Yes. And you have two twins. How old are the twins? Three. So yeah. that's chaotic to take a trip to Disney. They were on melatonin, big time. Oh. <laughs> they were on melatonin. Um, Anthony went with us. Uh, and the crazy thing also that was... That would have been six then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six. six. Yeah, and we had a van. Okay. Did you have any pets? We did. What'd you do with the pets? Because we didn't know how bad it was actually going to be. Uh-huh. And, again, I've never... No one here has ever experienced anything like that. More so than a Category 4, maybe? Not even? I had never even experienced that. Not... Oh. I mean, I did when I was a child, but I didn't so, remember. And my parents always did the preparations. So you were on uncharted territories having to make hard decisions. So I had a Rottweiler. Uh-huh. We didn't know what to do with her. So what we did is, because we didn't have any trees in the backyard. Okay. 
we went and tied her to the shed back there. Oh God! Oh, so it, it was. But it, it wasn't like a, a like a um, like a metal shed. It was like a nice shed, like what's out there now, built mm -hmm. up and everything. And um, you know, her food. We thought that we were going to leave and come right back. Uh huh. So again, like I said, when we were trying, uh, when we when we knew the storm was coming, we went and bought supplies for here. Okay. Okay. So back then. 2005, we were busted, broke. Uh, we spent every single thing we had to get out on food for here to survive. Okay. So when we evacuated, we filled up the van and we took off and we had enough money to stay one night in a hotel. Okay. So we get to Valdosta, Georgia. We were, I mean, the, we got the kids settled down. They all went to sleep. Mike fell asleep. Me and Anthony stayed up. We were watching the we were watching the news, and it was projecting the weather here. Okay. okay. So we're watching this again. Keep in mind what would have taken us like five and a half, six hours to get there. Almost. It ended have. up taking us like ten hours. That's a day of driving. Right. And standstill driving too. So you're exhausted. You have to actively drive because there's a million people on the road still. So there's no just. Well, then it got to be funny because you would we would pass people. I don't know if you remember, there were like other, like vans and trucks, uh -huh. and they would have like bird cages and crap all stacked in there. Yeah, I mean, because people were taking everything with them. Right. They didn't and know what they were going to come So it was to. almost like the apocalypse kind it, of. It was insane. It, I mean, and you would see the same people, same people, and we would pull off, you know, to like in search of gas or whatever, or if somebody had to go pee or go use the bathroom or something. Gas of bars too. Right. Because Very everybody close. was trying to use it up. Right, so you pull off, and you know you go down there, and you run into the restroom, and then you come back on the interstate, and you're there five minutes. You're back with the same people you were on site. I mean, <laughs> you never went over 15, 20 miles an hour, ever. Oh, man, that sounds like it. Look, I'm sure kids are playing that little uh, dune buggy game. Oh, I see a pink one. A no, because we thought it was nighttime. I don't we, remember the car ride at all. Yeah, it was so, nighttime. Wait, you're also evacuating at night with the storm? Yes, because so, I had to work animals? all night. I came home. We prepped the house the best that we could. We loaded up the <laughs> Four car. Category five. Right. And, um, I mean, we get everybody in the car, and we go. And, I mean, you, no one went up north. I mean, no one went north because you would have to go up Highway 49, which is only... You know, two one lanes. Lane, two yellow, yeah. So everybody was on I one. I mean, on I ten going. With the massive lanes. Right. I ten so, goes all the way over. Why would people not go? I mean, for y'all, y'all couldn't go left because New Orleans is coming in, or y'all could. Why did no one take the? Everything was so booked up, and no one wanted to go to New Orleans because that's where you know you could see that it was going to go somewhere between like Bay St. Louis and Slidell that that mm -hmm. way. It. You know, so you figure you're going to go up that way, so you go this way, so you take go take another east. route to avoid the whole storm altogether. Right, so you could come right back home. Gotcha. And, I mean, it literally, when I, t I mean, I remember we got there, and, and we were in Valdosta. Uh-huh. And, and you said was, you don't have much money, so what do you, six people got to eat for that one night. That's a lot of... No, we didn't. Oh. We literally got there, and we went to sleep, and we were watching and watching and watching and then... Remember what I told you about what we ate? What? Yeah, no, I don't know. The pile wants to know. <laughs> so, what did you eat? We didn't. Not not in Valdosta. 
Oh. No, because, I mean, we didn't have the money. And so, like I said, we were trying to watch what was going on here. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, at the news station that was, you know, sending out news for the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yes. Their tower fell. Oh. And when it fell, we were not getting our news. You lost all communication. We were getting New Orleans news up there. And then we were getting, like, worldwide news. Uh-huh. And, you know, worldwide news, they can't really tell you what's going on here because our there. tower fell. So everybody's kind of guessing. So, well, I don't know about everybody, but I know I wasn't experienced in this. So here I am with my kids, and I, I know I don't have enough money to stay there again the next night. Uh-huh. So the, I mean, when day came up, we went to the gas station and we got gas in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh Uh-huh. And we filled up again and we were coming home. Now keep in mind, I've never done this before. Okay. I have gone through many hurricanes, but but I was never the adult that had to be in responsible for other people. Okay. So here I am driving home. And again, like I said, we had no idea... What we were witnessing when we're coming home, but I remember we were going through like Mobile, uh-huh. and then when you got to like Grand Bay, there were like lines of cars coming out of, um, like off the like you could the off ramp. Uh-huh. You would see the cars would be backed up onto the interstate, and I'm going, oh my god. Like, are these people really waiting in line for gas like that? Uh-huh. I'm just going to get gas when we get home. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit further. A little bit further. Stupid me is not thinking. We don't have power. If you don't have power, you can't get gas. Oh, because the pumps don't work. And, well, even then, me, I'm thinking that Biloxi is Biloxi. We're uh-huh. coming back home. You know, it's going to be like it was when Hurricane George hit or, you know, Hurricane So you'll be down Iron. power maybe like a day or so, and then you're going to be right back up to regular right. business. So I remember... After we we passed up all those gas stations, uh-huh. and still, all I'm thinking is, oh my God, my gas is getting low. I don't have money to get gas. Oh. So, here we are going across the Pascagoula Bridge. I'll, I'll, I remember this clear as day. And it was like buckled. And I didn't understand how serious that was. We would have to go from one lane to the other you know, to uh-huh. get across the bridge. And there was, like, barges and boats up against the... We the, could the see them up against the bridge. Again, oh. like I said... You've never seen this. And cars were very, very sparse. They, I mean, you, it wasn't like you were in traffic coming back. Because other people must have had sense or connections or whatever. And, and somebody was telling them, uh-huh. don't come back. There's nothing here. Uh. And we didn't know. So, here we are. And then... Like the roads, even after you get off the bridge, the roads was like, um, you know, instead of being smooth, uh-huh. it looked like a bomb hit it. Really? Like you would have to go around the holes. The buckles. These are like, if, the, if your car got in that hole, it's not getting out of it. Kind well, of. no, it, it would be like, um, almost like a, like a plate shifted, you know, like oh, wow. it would, it would be offset, you know, okay. like by six inches, eight inches, whatever. Uh-huh. So you would have to go around that. And there were, again, like I said, there were cars that had run out of gas. Okay. That, you know. Stuck on a rope. Now you're still seeing all these abandoned cars. And I'm going, oh my gosh. And then, you know, I could remember 
and we'd be like, oh my God, look at that tree, look at that tree down, you know, or God, look at the limbs in the road, and still blindsided. <laughs> you know, we're still just trying to get home now. We gotta get home, we gotta get home, we gotta get home. So Anthony's parents lived in Pascagoula. So we stopped there to see if they were okay first. Okay. And um, once we knew they were okay and they were like, you know, they're telling us, God, it was bad, it was bad, but they lived in Pascagoula. So, so it wasn't directly in the eye like, no. like uh-uh. Biloxi was. Right. And then they didn't live really like on the water or whatever. So they were so, a little more on the safe side. They probably caught a lot of wind and structural right. damage, but water wasn't the biggest of issues for them. Right. Then we went to Ocean Springs, which is where Mike's family lived. Okay. And uh, that didn't go real well. Uh-huh. So we didn't stay there long. We visited. Uh-huh. They wanted us to go. You know, you need to go in and go. They were um, already making plans for their family to um, go buy big drums of gas, you know, for them. Okay. They were, um, oh, it's hot here. We've already made reservations to go stay in this hotel that has power you know they were uh-huh. they were set they had the money yeah. still we're not thinking by the time we got to biloxi which we um came over i-10 i-110 wait that bridge that y'all usually take you couldn't take that one because had... ocean springs collapsed yeah yep so you couldn't go across that so now pretty much there's only one way into biloxi and one way out yes that sounds like chaos right okay. right exactly now, so, you said Mike's family, Anthony's family, your family. Right. Did any of your family stay? Yes. But my mom, my dad was on the oil rig. Okay. So, it was my mom by herself. Gotcha. And um, we helped get her house together. And then I knew that she was going to stay in Pascagoula with my sister. Okay. So, um, you know, I was like, well... She lived in a in a valley between the bay uh-huh. and the beach. Okay. So that sounds she, like a flood zone, right? And she would uh, even on a, a a hard rain, her road would flood. So she knew Something she had to happen. get out of her area. Well, um, so after we left Ocean Springs, here we come, you know, and we come through Diaberville, but we're on I ten. We come across I one ten, and when we do, when we take the exit. You could, I mean, it was awful. There was sand and dirt and trees and everything. This is on Division Street, you know, when you take the exit. Where, uh-huh. Okay. So, she only lived, you know, Haley said that she showed you. Yes, two not, blo- that, not two, that far away. Two blocks away from I-110. And um, I remember you couldn't turn on her road. So, I put the van in park. Right there on Division Street. Uh-huh. And um, got out of the car. You didn't bring us home first? No. Oh, I don't remember. Y'all that sat in the, in the van. <clears throat> and um, I can remember climbing over a power, I mean, a, a power pole. And there were lines, power that lines. That sounds dangerous. It was. You know, but you don't think at the time. Because you're because kind of still in shock also. I could see my mom's car was at the house. Oh. It parked in front of her house. Okay. So I'm going... Your mom's Over. still home. You're worried about her. I didn't know how hard-headed she was. Did she go back home? Uh-huh. You know, whatever. So, when I got there, oh, it was terrible. 
She, it was my mom's house and then my grandmother's house to the right of hers. Okay. And my mom's best friend to the left of her. Okay. Well, all three houses sustained such vastly different... Damages? Right. On the same street? Oh, on, I mean, like, literally, they shared, they shared yards. And they all looked differently? Well, my mama's friend, her house came, because all the houses were on, uh, not on stilts, but on blocks, you know, how our house is. Naturally, because you're near the coast. Right. You're expecting some flooding. So, my mama's friend's house was 100% intact. Uh Uh-huh. Even, she, the lady smoked. She even had a coffee table with an ashtray uh-huh. and her cigarettes and everything all still sitting there. Really? Not a drop of water in her house. However, her entire house picked up and floated into my mama's backyard. Oh, wow. My mama's house, because of the way the water came in, it came in the front and the whole back of her house. Every It washed everything from the front of her house out the back. Oh. It busted the walls out, everything. I mean... Yeah, all the way through. So but you would think, well, that to me that sounds like it almost like a tornado hit actually there. Because the storm surge is oh. what it was. The storms when the water came up, it picked up my mom Rose's house, uh-huh. moved it over, it pushed everything because now keep it, my mama's house wasn't an original structure. Okay. The house part was the house was standing, uh-huh. but everything that was added on gone. I mean, literally, it was it was a slab. Jeez. And everything just went out the back. So I probably had they never added on to their house. Uh-huh. Everything would have just shifted around on the inside and stayed there. Okay. Now my grandmother's house next door, when you opened her door, it was 10 feet of mud. Ew. It completely filled up with mud. The whole house. But her house was closer. That, you know how they have you like the bayou. These three the, houses are in the same yard. Oh, the they same, are same flat land, same street, and they e- all each piece of property is twenty five feet across. So maybe fifty feet across is what they were. Fifty feet. Okay. So a hundred and fifty feet of space. And that so, much different us of damage. Yes. That is crazy. Yes, but it's even crazier. You could go there now, and my grandmother's house is still there. Uh huh. It's all the mud was cleaned out. Everything was completely restored. Mm-hmm. My mama's property is was flat, and then the neighbors they demolished it and then rebuilt. Okay. My question is, what's that first smell you remember once? Because I'm sure y'all have the windows up for most of this until you you say you get out and put the car in park. What was that first smell you could just remember when it when you opened up that door and you're like, did it smell like just? Stinky? Did you smell death? Because I heard there were also like caskets floating places and there all were. kind of crazy stuff going on with the water. Different fish coming in. So I'm like, I would think, I'm a sensory guy. I would see, I smell this. Like when I go to my grandma's house, I know I'm going to smell turnip greens. That's the smell that I associate with. Or when we had a hurricane, like when we had a, we had a tornado in Alabama that hit Tuscaloosa, I kept smelling stuff that smelled like burnt. I kept smelling like, and I kept remember seeing like paper and soot that looked like it had just been traveling. So, did you have a smell that you just remembered, or? Um. Yes and no. I mean, every every you were so numb. It was so crazy. Everything just had you completely numb, and I'll never forget the look on my mama's face. I mean, my mom was literally. 
in her house just I mean like I imagine walking into y'all's house, you uh-huh. go back and it's got mud all over it, your pots and pans are filled with water. Every I mean, my dad had just rebuilt every single thing on the inside, all custom made cabinets and everything and I mean So you can't go in your bodies at Walmart and pick some new ones up no, you gotta try and, and remake no. them again. If you're gonna remake and them again. and you know they say that there was like a a lot of people say that there was like weird stuff in the water like the you know because of the oil and uh-huh. all that mess that was floating around you know because of um just whatever you know people I don't know maybe lines busted here and there whatever you never know so it was nuts because my mom was like well my sister gathered up all my mama's clothes uh-huh. and stuff you know and took them to her house and washed them and. It became a running joke. I mean, I have my mom's diary, mm-hmm. and it was so funny because even after she, because my dad, they flew my dad in from the oil rig, and um, luckily, thankfully, because they were one of the very, very few and fortunate people who, I don't know who they had for flood insurance, uh. but they had great flood insurance. The oil rig, of course, because my dad had worked for them for so long, they sent him home with a check. <laughs> Oh. And said, here, you know, have this to get started. There, um, within, I want to say a week. Uh-huh. Even though with all the devastation, they received a certified letter to tell them where to go pick up their flood insurance payout. Gee. Um, they had state farm insurance, okay. regular insurance, not flood insurance, but homeowner's insurance. So that covers something? No. 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 Because storm surge is not flood. Oh. Wow. Crazy. Right. And that's what happened with so a lot of what people. Are, what are people paying for if right. it doesn't cover what actually is going to happen? Never mind. Right. And see, that's where a lot of people got screwed out of their insurance money. So and they my, still had to pay their insurance, right? Right. Right. And their claims were denied. Oh. <laughs> right. So then that's why people who, you're like, now nah, I know they have insurance. Why are they getting FEMA money? That's why. Because their claims were denied. So, my dad, knowing he was going to have to fly back out and go back on the oil rig. Because you got to go back to work still? Right. Even though your house is unrecognizable. Yes. And he was like, I remember him saying, I'm not going to have my wife sleeping in a tent on a slab. So, he went up to Van Cleve, and that's when he bought that piece of property. Okay. But what I was getting at is... So, the stuff that they could salvage and keep, uh-huh. the clothes and stuff like that, they went and they had them all washed and everything. And my mom, I'll never forget, she was sitting in the casino and she started laughing and crying and laughing and crying. And I'm like, what is going on? And it was such mixed emotions because the people that tried to save stuff like blankets and uh-huh. curtains because of the crap that was in the water. Uh-huh. Your stuff would just deteriorate. Like you would be While it's on you? And yes. No And way. it was almost like it was dry rotted. But it wasn't dry rotted. You know, I mean, it was just weird how... Sounds like disappearing clothes. <laughs> oh my, it was nuts. It was it was so insane. But I don't think you would... To see your, your mom or your family, which I, I'm so glad I didn't see this. My sister said, because my mom wanted to go back and check on her house. Okay. In the middle of the hurricane. Excuse me? Really. And my, my sister said that she'll never forget when they tried to get close just so they could kind of see. Uh-huh. My mom, 
the house was still flooded. Uh-huh. And she was wading in chest deep water. And again, like I said, you're numb. You're not thinking. She's just trying to get to her house. I got to go get a generator so that we can have some power. And my mom was going, my sister's like, Mom, come on. You know, you can't, you can't. My mom was four ten and a half. Oh, God. And she's trying to wade through this water to go get a generator that clearly is flooded and disappeared. Yes. What are you going out with? She, you know. But you got to have some type of hope after all of this devastation. You are mind blown. You, you are gotta, mind blown. I don't know. What, I wouldn't even, as a, what you keep saying when you were like, this is your first time doing this as an adult. That sounds petrifying to me because not only if you fail you don't fail yourself you fail children you fail your family and it's like everybody also else is going through this and the first thing you said is certain people had financial benefits that made it better but they still are going through something but you're an uphill battle because you have no money and you have kids (laughs) right and then so you get home you imagine this you're at home Mm -hmm. it's hot you don't want to close so, your house up. Okay. So you open up your house, your doors are open, whatever, uh-huh. and then you have a set of twins that, you know, you can't very well sleep with your doors open because where are they going to go? So what we would do is we would take turns as adults uh-huh. and sleep in front of the door, blocking the doorways. But we left the doors open. Because you're trying to get air. Right, because it was so hot, and we now leaving your door open. You would think that's not a risk because everybody's door is open, right? Right. So why? Where's the scare come from? Uh, well, you don't want your kids to go out the door and disappear. Okay. That was the biggest thing, but um, it Katrina. It was crazy because your neighbors could have been the richest people in the world, and they had nothing, and you could have been the most poverty-stricken person, mm-hmm. and when Katrina hit, you wouldn't believe because people, when when supplies started coming in, well, you couldn't get out because you didn't have gas. Okay. Maybe your car, a tree was on it. Maybe your car got flooded. Something happened. Uh-huh. People would ride through neighborhoods, and you would wonder, you know, we are really chasing this truck for a bag of ice? And you did. And, I mean, people come through and they would throw out, like, boxes of cereal and Pop-Tarts and crap. And you went running after it like a third world country. Like, oh, my God, we've got something. You know, I mean, you would go to a church parking lot and an 18-wheeler would Mm -hmm. pull up. And you would go through and you would gather toothbrushes and shampoo and washcloths and stuff like that. Because what you had was ruined. Well, to me, also, like I said... From what I knew, I had no idea that Biloxi even got hit by Katrina because the exposure was on New Orleans. If you would have asked anybody, New Orleans got hit. That was it. They got flooded. You would have thought the hurricane went straight to New Orleans, ran them over, and everybody else just got stuck with a lot of bad rain. So when I, it wasn't until I was maybe 23, 24 where I found out that it actually even hit Biloxi, and that was exactly where it hit. So it's, it seems like a ironic that the most hit got the least public exposure and help. So you guys are truly getting help from what, just FEMA? It's not like it's like a bunch of Red Crosses coming in for you guys because it seems like New Orleans is the one. That's the one we got to take care of. Well, you know, you have to ask yourself this. 
is New Orleans really to blame for taking all the, all, the, I, and you don't want to say all the glory for Katrina, uh -huh. because, you know, I mean, who in the world wanted to be hit by Katrina? Who wanted to be flooded? Who wanted to be, you know, like, like Katrina was? It was terrible for everybody. But then now, you know, now we look at this day and age, what media does, what the news shows, you uh -huh. know, whatever. Well, is it New Orleans' fault that our tower fell and nobody knew what happened here? No. You know, I mean, so everybody's first view of Katrina was... What was they could see? Everybody, you know, people on their roofs, people in the, you know, begging for help, you know, waiting, waiting mm -hmm. for days on their roof, you know, when, I mean, it, the Superdome, just oh. anything, every, that, I mean, is it their fault? No, it's not their fault, but, you know, I mean, when you know better, you should tell better. True. And so know, how long did the flooding stay in Biloxi? Or did it subside fairly quickly? It subsided fairly quickly. Because your levees worked. Um, <laughs> but because the way, like the casinos, uh -huh. you know, they were on barges. So the casinos that were in the water are now over here on land. Oh. And when they crossed over Highway 90, they ripped down the power poles and all that stuff, you know. So, and... um. So you guys' grid is off. How long is the power off? Weeks. Weeks? Weeks. For in some areas, it was months. But the, the good thing about us is we are so close to Keesler. The Air, they base, got our Air Force power Base. On, yes. They got our power on fairly quick. Now, not as quick as, you know, well, I mean, give we me were a, time a good slot. two and a half, maybe three weeks. So here. you're three weeks pretty much martial law. Right. Right next to our Air Force Base. Right. And I mean... Do you have people trying to go crazy to get into the Air Force Base? Because you would think the Air Force Base oh, no. has a little more security or people just still knew stay away from the Air Force Base. I mean, no, no, people were not. It, it was it was crazy because here it seemed like, again, like I said, everybody was on the same playing field, you know, and then you see what was going on in New Orleans. It seems like chaotic is all get out there. It was chaotic, but, you know, I mean, were there resources less than ours? I don't know. But, I mean, you really You can only give your account, and you felt probably as if y'all could have used more resources if, if they were available. Right. And you kind of put yourself, not in somebody else's shoes, I mean, but you would have to think yourself, you know, I mean, because uh -huh. sooner or later you're going to have a child, mm -hmm. and you'll have a wife, and imagine you're on your roof, and, uh... You know, you know your neighbors evacuated, and you've been on your roof now for two days because there's water, and the water finally subsides, and y'all come down. Everything you have is ruined. Your neighbors might have something your child can eat. You know, do you respect his boundaries and not go there, or do you Make feed your family? And then there's that public view. Well, you're still a criminal because you stole. Well... They weren't coming back for six weeks. So did I steal or was it going to be disposed anyway? But to me, it's sounding like Mississippi seemed to have a little more uh, community going on because everyone's back at phase one. It seems like it seems clean slated here. So it, it was kind of. Um, however, uh -huh. if you talk to my son. You know, just like he said, oh, I mean, what he's trying to do now in college uh -huh. and why he's 
trying to get so involved in sociology. Um, I mean, I can't speak firsthand. I can I can speak on what I was what I saw and what I was told. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, my kids like to think that we live in downtown Biloxi. We really don't live. I mean, we live in West Biloxi. Okay. But when you go on the other side of Keesler, which was hit harder than a lot of Biloxi, well, those a lot of those families down there are. Um, it's lower income housing. Okay. You have a strong. So they had even less than what you thought you had. Right, and you have a stronger Asian influence down there. Okay. Okay, so when FEMA came in and when your help came in, it came in as English speaking people talking on the news, telling you, you know, that's what the flyers we saw. You know, they told you where to go and get help, told you where to go and start the process. But if process. they don't have that education, they still also don't have the ability to know where to go. Right. Well, they didn't have somebody to get the information to them. Or advocate for them. Exactly. So that's what, that's why Mikey is trying to do what he wants to do. Okay. So that he can make sure when, when and if something like this ever happens, something mm -hmm. catastrophic, then it's not just given to the privileged people. Is given to everyone across the board equally because by the time they got the information, many of the resources and the monies were gone. Okay. So that's, I mean, you got to look at that, you know. But that's I mean, also some people psychologically, because you have one daughter who's really into psychology, they would say you're also hiding your trauma because you believe somebody else's trauma is bad, which means do you really deal with what you had to go through? Because that sounds to me. Uh, I can give a personal account from my life. We had a home, a nice home, and I loved that home, and it was everything. I needed a better education, so my parents had to move me to an apartment. I lost the home. I gained education, but I so wanted that home. That home, to me, felt like the most development I ever had. So my thought process in my day and age now is I've lost it once. I'll never lose it again. Whatever happens, I cannot go back to what it felt like to lose once you lose, that's not even a real loss. I moved from a house to an apartment that was fully furnished and fully intact. We didn't, we lose, we lost location and probably, I guess, a backyard. But you guys lost. Like, stuff was gone. How do you even, like, is there certain things that you're still attached to that you say, I really still wish I had that or this was so important to me? Like, what is the important thing that you feel like you lost once you get, once the hurricane happened? I feel like for me, honestly, I mean, because we didn't have any structural damage to our house. I mean, we had our roof replaced afterwards. Our shed fell, but the shed fell because, and the dog was fine. Mm -hmm. The dog was Guys, fine. the dog's good. Peter doesn't have to try to come and get us. Right. The dog did, did exceptionally well. She was pregnant afterwards. Because well, she was out here in the streets. Man. Well, no, because she was still there, but the neighbor's trees fell on our shed. Okay. And when it did, it knocked down my privacy fence and oh. allowed a dog to get in here and get to her. Uh huh. So you know, I mean, there's that. I will tell you this: it when you go through something like that, uh -huh. and it hits everyone, you figure the whole Mississippi Gulf Coast and many miles inward. When it hits everybody equally. And you, you can't, you still have, your house is still standing. Mm -hmm. Everyone in your family is still alive. 
everyone's still well. Everyone, and, and like I said, this is only from my standpoint, okay? okay? Everyone is well. Everyone's alive. Everyone had insurance that they would be able to recover from with whatever damage they had. Um, it makes you, I mean, you have a little bit more compassion for the people that don't, okay. you know? So it, it doesn't make you say, oh, God, it should have been me and not them. No, you know. But you... You, you have a different type of appreciation for the hard work you had because somehow, some way, even though it's a bad event, you had a luckier break than most. Right. And everybody, everybody ultimately, it seemed like at some point, you know, I mean, everybody tried to help each other. Like when we, because for me and, you know, working in retail, uh -huh. every time I, I mean, I was fortunate because, you know, Walmart's going to open when nothing else. I mean, like the yeah, Waffle I mean, House. They'll be down maybe three hours, and they're going to figure a way to get the power generator back right. up, and they're back on the grid. So, because I had no money, uh -huh. you know, but I had hungry people here, Yeah. my thought was, if I can just get to work, if I get to work, then every time I leave there, even if I just leave with a bottle of Gatorade, I'm coming home with something. But, Jeez. I mean, you would go to work, and there were literally co-workers of mine who would beg to go to work because they didn't have shoes. They oh, wow. lost their shoes, you know, in the mud, trudging through the mud, trying to get to their house. Uh -huh. Or, you know, they would come in and they would just, I mean, you, everybody was... There was some story worse than yours no matter what you did. Right, Seems like it. and it, it, I mean, there were people, it was, it, you also got exposed to a lot of different people because, which I didn't know when I was in Valdosta, uh -huh. but had I not been able to make it back, I could have walked into a Walmart there and clocked in and went to work, and I could have drawn a check from that store, which what we did is we accepted people, came over, you uh -huh. know, to help, not only to help us, but they lost everything there, so... If their store down in Louisiana wasn't open, mm -hmm. they came and worked in our store, which we benefited, they benefited. They drew a check, they had a place to stay. Y'all got help. Right, exactly. Jesus, I guess that's probably also why they don't really give Mississippi the, the, the damage credit, because you guys seem to pick yourselves up from your bootstraps and get to work and right. have to figure it out. But I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, like... Just in the recent storms that hit Florida. Uh -huh. I mean, you saw, I mean... It wiped some stuff flat. Oh, my God. Before it even hit, all the power companies going from everywhere that were lined up and waiting and saying, don't worry, we got you when it's when it's over. Well, 2005 is also a different time. Education on storms is still fairly new. I mean, right. we now we can say that, what, it's 2022. There should be, if we survived Hurricane Katrina, barely... And 20 years of education should have you just about not, I mean, there's no perfect way to prepare for a storm, but at least knowing what's going to go down and how long it's going to take to get X, Y, and Z back up. Because, I mean, grids seem to be the big issue. When I think, I mean, if I'm a parent, I know we're going to have to have power. See, my first thing is we got to eat, we got to have some form of power, and we got to have some way to keep something cool. So... I guess in my head, how can I keep a lot of ice? How can I? I can grill. So I tell Haley every time, if hurricane happens and we're down on power, I need charcoal. You give me charcoal, I can feed us. That's all I need. 
I don't need the stove. I know how to grill. We got cast irons galore. They'll be fine. We can put them up and we can cook. We'll be good on that end. That's all I know I'm good at covering, though. I mean. But imagine this, because, you know, I mean, you've ridden up and down our coast a hundred times now. Yes. Imagine if tonight we know a storm is coming. Yes. You go home, you're all prepared. You know, you're like, uh -huh. okay, so we got the charcoal, or like for me, you know what I mean? I've got charcoal, but I've also got gas, you know, natural gas, whatever. Uh -huh. um, my neighbors, God love them, they have a generator that as soon as their power goes out, they don't have a gas. I mean, like, you got to go out there and crank it. It automatically comes on because it's connected to the natural gas line. Oh, wow. Yeah, they have a generac, um, generator. So, so it means they, they don't even notice that the power's off when the power right, goes off. Right, as soon as it goes off... Something the power goes it, off. It cuts back on. Air conditioning, everything. It's like they never lost anything over there. So, mm -hmm. um, but okay, okay. So you have your food. You could. You got your ice. You got all that. Uh huh. Okay. You go to sleep. You wake up. Everything in your house is fine. You get in your car, and you come over here to see how I am. Uh huh. And the Beauvoir is gone. The hard rock has collapsed. The the reef is, you know, now sitting across the street at, um, I don't know, the amusement park over there. Okay. You know, I mean, all this stuff, and you're like, oh, my God. And your first thought is, oh, wow, how long is it going to take for all that to come back? You know, or, oh, my God, we're not going to be able to have that steakhouse anymore, or whatever, you know. But literally, think about this. How many people are now out of a job? Oh, no. That changes the economy is a, a natural disaster. Right. I mean, so when did you get back to work? How long did it take you? Oh, God. I went back to work the next day. No way. I had to. But, and, and then that was the weird thing because, you know, you, you jump in your car and you're like, I got to go to work. Well, you can't go down the beach. So how do you get to work? Because the big bridge that gets you there is also broken, and there's only one well, way no, I, we could cross I-110. Mm-hmm. But there was curfews. Because you, they don't want people stealing and looting. Right. So okay. you had to be, when the sun went down, you couldn't be on the road. Unless you had a badge that said you needed to be on the road. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Like I said, I mean, it was crazy because, like, Anthony that I said evacuated with us worked at the Beau Rivage. Uh-huh. Well, the, the Beau, Beau Rivage, Rivage was, it was tore up. But you have to have people watching it who was security. Okay. Well, so, that seems even scarier because people probably thinking, oh, a casino got to have some money in there. Let oh, me try no, to go in there. because they take everything out of them suckers. Really? During a storm, they, oh my God, they, they remove... They, Everything, all the money, everything. There is nothing. But he still got to drive. He had to sit down there in his truck uh -huh. and watch to make sure that people, you know, it's a liability. What if somebody wanted to go in there and look around and it collapsed? Oh, wow. It's things you don't even think of. Jesus, I'm out here looking at the, the Palace Casino. Yeah, no, that thing is crazy. Um... When did it seem like the world got back to normal for Biloxi after this storm? Or like, was, school, it, was it school time at that time? 
Yes. So, how long till school came back? Oh, God. Did they just call it a year and start back? Oh, no, no. Mm -mm. Really? Some of the schools, like, went to, went to, they were in, like, trailers, like, not even in the school. Uh-huh. Um, but it was a while because, again, like I said, they had to take into consideration that um, no one had anything. Yeah. So, how can people start kids off to school? And the schools have to be able to fund food and provide this and that. Right, no power, no water, no whatever, you know. They couldn't, like, um, I'll never forget, you know, like, you, when you think you're prepared. Okay, so before I worked at Walmart, I worked at Del Champs. And there was Hurricane George hit during that time. Uh -huh. Well, when we lost power, well, the, the whole store was hooked up to, just like the, I was telling you, like a, a generator. generator that was connected to a gas line, uh -huh. a natural gas line underground. Uh-huh. Well, the gas line collapsed. Wait, what? So we lost everything. Everything. You know what I mean? So every time you think you're prepared, there's, no there's always something else that could happen. Okay, so is this too unfair of a question? Why stay in an area like that? Like, some people will say, I would never actually have permanent roots here because the roots can literally get uprooted. Why choose to stay? after you experience something like a hurricane? Well, when you look at, at the amount of years it is in between the two, mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you think that you're invincible? No, never. You know, but at least, at least with a hurricane, you know, you can, you can see it coming. Yeah. They can't, 100% projected exactly, path. Because the weather's the weather. Right. But they also do say hurricanes follow the same path, do they not? Or they come out the same route. To me, I would be petrified because if I was seen Katrina, I would think, well, that's just the same route. All I do is follow that route back, and you know what happens if something sits in the Gulf at this point. So I'd be petrified every time I hear about a storm coming in and the ability to sit. That would scare me. I mean, and then also... The psyche of someone, if they've done a Category 5, and they sat down and they lived through it, a Category 3, does that scare me like it should? Am I actually prepared because I know it could be 10 times worse? I would think, like, those decisions at that time seem hard on me. And also, my other thing I think of, <clears throat> how many people can scam you post a hurricane? I'm sure generator prices go directly up after Hurricane Katrina. The, to buy one probably costs a fortune. Or, I mean, from my, I travel to New Orleans a lot. There's a lot of solar panels on people's homes there. Like, I'm sure that's not cheap. I'm sure there's a market in a disaster that some people don't care about your, the humanity of it. They care about the business. Like, maneuvering around that would make me uncomfortable. Well, okay. I, to put that into perspective, you know, so say you decided... Well, I don't want to deal with a hurricane because uh, what we were dealing with with a lot of Katrina, you figure, if everything is tore up, mm -hmm. well, of course, the person with the highest bid is going to get the contractor first. Yes. So, again, here you are waiting and waiting and waiting on the roofer because this one over here, I mean, while you might need a roof, well, Sally Sue and Mary down here can pay can offer up $500 extra if you could do my roof today, you know? So, 
you're waiting on your roof. Mm-hmm. And then if if they're replacing every, I mean, if they're having to repair, say, 90% of How the How much wood is available? Exactly. Between here and New Orleans, uh-huh. downtown. I mean, you know, oh, yeah, like down near home. It hit all the way from Florida to the east of Texas, which means the sources of other resources are limited. Okay. So now you say, well, damn, I don't, I don't want to live there. There's mm-hmm. a hurricane, you know what I mean? Supply and demand and, you know, I might get scammed or, or I might not ever get my house rebuilt or, mm-hmm. you know, it could be ruined tomorrow or whatever. And so you don't live where there's a hurricane. So you say, hmm, well, I'm going to go back to Birmingham. Birmingham's nice. Okay. Well, you know what? How nice was Birmingham during Katrina? Not not Katrina, I'm sorry, during COVID. Uh, wasn't that great? Because, you know, I mean, there were no hurricanes during that time. No, but... But no one could get any wood. No. Everything went And up. if you could get it, it cost you I 10 know. times the value. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like there's always going to be... You, you can't outrun problems. Right. There's always going to be something. So, you know... Like, if everybody said, well, why are you living in California? There's fires, you know, well, or there's earthquakes, or, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like me, honey, I'm not going up north and live in the snow because I would have to quit my job six months out of the year. No way, Mom. There is no way. I would have, there is absolutely no, the thought of driving in snow gives me such an anxiety attack. I want snow so bad because, you know, I have a 4 by 4 Jeep. I'm like, ooh, let me put it in the 4 by 4 Get me some all-terrain. I can't me. I can't even convince myself to buy an all-terrain tire down here because sand's the only terrain that will be difficult for me. Mud won't be so difficult here. Well, thank God that Anthony had a, a four-wheel drive. Uh huh. Because we had to have it to get around in many places after Katrina. Because it's muddy and stuff can you can get stuck and now Not you can't. Any, right. You can't even afford for a mechanic, and most mechanic shops are also still down because they're they probably are backed up too. Right. So imagine this. You know how busy Highway 90 is. Yes. Okay, so now they say, well, guess what? Now we've got the power turned on. Everybody go to work. Oh, shit. Well, Highway 90 is still tore up. It's, I mean, not necessarily the businesses, but the road. When I tell you the road buckled. It breaks your cars up, too. You could. They were not. We were not allowed to go on Highway 90. So the street's open, but you can't drive on the street. You could walk down there, but you can't drive because it still had sand on it. The piers that broke and uh-huh. washed still up. Got they were still got everywhere. Retrieving bodies off of the beach that were still, you know, floating. I mean, you when they were cleaning up the debris, uh-huh. you know, or the houses that were on the beach mm-hmm. that actually, you know, that were damaged when the water came on and then it washed the all their stuff down onto the beach. You know, so they couldn't let anybody go down on the beach because it's a they had to at least too. give those people the opportunity to go, is there any of my stuff down there? Makes sense. You know, it could have been scattered anywhere. So How big was the death toll around here? Like, was it like... Oh, dear God. I, I can't even get... You could probably look that in up. In your right. neighborhood, would you say, what, you lost 50 people? In this neighborhood? Yes. Oh, I have no idea. But, you, again, like I said, and it was it was tragic. Downtown, just like, you know, we, so many people say, well, God, New Orleans, they wouldn't have had the death toll that they had if they would have just left. Man, we lost so many people in downtown Malexi. 
because they didn't have the means to leave or they didn't have the communication of how bad it was. And sometimes even if you got the communications, you just don't, you can't. You can't, right. And so we lost a lot of people, a lot of people down there that, again, like I say, is it swept under the rug? No, I don't think it's swept under the rug. But, again, like I say, is it anybody's fault that the... That's another thing I I see now. Uh, They had like a documentary about there were... uh, The hospitals lost power in New Orleans and some doctors had to make decisions about Mm -hmm. who lives and who doesn't. But it wasn't like they really had much of an option. Right. And nowadays, people are going back saying, well, you failed at this. And in my opinion, I tell everybody, it's like college. For engineering, engineering is teaching theory. It's not teaching actuality. In theory, you should have every tool you need to fix whatever the problem is. In actuality, that's not how it works. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I get, like, I worked at a mechanic shop. And a mechanic shop, stuff should be simple. But it's not. You get there and then there's rust. You add rust to a problem, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure, yeah, I mean, in theory, you're supposed to protect every human being as much as you can until there's no weapon to protect them or no tool to protect them. Now how do you protect them? Or, yeah, it's nice. You can protect them, but what about your protection and your family? There's some choices you have to make that I don't think anybody no matter what, during a hurricane, have to, like, live with that, or probably eat them up, but to truly punish them, how do you? I mean, also, I think about, well, if a hurricane happens and there's a prison system and the power goes off, the power goes off at the prison too, right? Mm-hmm. Now what? I mean, or how can you be an officer of the law when your family's going to have to be unprotected for a few hours if you got to go and work your shift? <coughs> That's a hard job for me to just say, oh, yeah, no, i got to go to work, baby. Because also, look at nurses and doctors. They have their lockdowns. I and mean, they have to go. That's to your hospital. job. The job puts you at risk. I mean, during a hurricane, nurses can't leave. They have to stay no matter what. If the building falls down, they have to fall with it, and that's in their job description. And you have to make a choice between your life <coughs> or your livelihood. Because, yeah, maybe in theory you could that the place does fall down, but if it doesn't, now what? You're out of a job because. You tried to make a decision for your family. Decision-making then, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer during a hurricane time. Also, I mean, the Gulf Coast, did they bring the National Guard down for y'all? That changes things. There's a new sheriff in town, and that makes everyone easy. It's different. Maybe some cops around here see certain things and say, I can't ruin this person's life. National Guard, they're coming here to do a job, get their job done, and they're going home. Mm -hmm. And how many lives are affected if... I mean, you got a grandparent home that lives with you, and everybody's making their check, but grandma's check is also important. If grandma passes away from a storm, that check goes away. Now, the way you live changes. Like, everything Mm -hmm. is, I mean, it's nobody's fault other than the natural weather. Also, to me, here's another question I would have. Your faith. How did that affect your faith, the hurricane like that? Did it make you closer to your faith, further away Confused by faith, like how did it affect you? Um. Well, like I said, I, it didn't. Nothing really hit me here at home. Um. I mean, like, and I'm talking about like emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, or mm-hmm. whatever. 
I would say every single time I think about Katrina, I try to remember what it was like. And I mean, I'm sure other people went through it because, like I said, I, I worked with over 600 people at the time. Uh-huh. So, but I couldn't, I remember my mom, she would go in and dig through the house and we'd go and we'd help her dig and dig and dig. Uh-huh. And she found her dad's Bible. You know, how ironic is it that she found that? Um, she had, which I have now, which is also insane. She's got a, um, she had a whole set of china uh-huh. sitting in a china hutch. You know, we yeah, discussed, the little old cases oh my God. with the wood and the glass that you can see through. Right. You can't actually eat out of the china because it's right. nice. Well, when we got back to her house, the whole china hutch had fallen. You know, it come off the wall and fell. Okay. I have every single piece of that china, not a single piece of china or crystal broke. So the casing broke, but everything inside was protected. Right. And it's it's so, you would find different things. You know, like I'm sure you've heard of stories about um, somebody's house burning down or a tornado hitting. Mm -hmm. And then they find, you know, a picture of some beloved somebody, you know, a picture that could not ever be duplicated. Uh They find it just sitting out in a field and they're like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, or the whole house burns and a crucifix doesn't, oh. you know. Yeah, my dad's always like that. He always says, like, you know, when you're in, when he makes me, when we have a car, he wants me to put a cross on. He's like, you just never know. A cross can protect certain things. And he's like, you might can lose the car, but if the crucifix is in there, it can protect you and you'll be fine. He takes that like, or, um. Well, I tell you, my, my dad's family was, they're all Catholic. Uh-huh. And I will never forget, I was just, like, blown away because, you know, I, I didn't practice a Catholic religion. Mm-hmm. So, I could remember going into my grandmother's house, and I'm like, Dad, what is she doing? And she was putting palm leaves over the doors and uh-huh. in her window seals. And supposedly that... Protects your house. Right. And I'm going, come on, we're dealing with a hurricane. <laughs> what in the world? Like, you can't be really thinking this is how it works. You know, everybody has their thing, you know, when <clears throat> literally, I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, every single memory of Katrina, it, I go back to watching, I could never get it out of my head watching my mom dig through the mud in her house. And she would, because my dad had, in her kitchen, he had built her cabinets to where they were a little bit Lower. Shorter because she's well, no, not necessarily that, but she had like um, all her big gumbo pots and soup pots and stuff up top, and uh-huh. big uh, cast iron Dutch ovens. Uh-huh. And I remember watching her, and she would pull them down and dump the water out and set it to the side. We gotta wash this, we gotta wash this, we gotta wash these, you know, and just trying to save anything. And I'm going, Oh my god, you know, I mean, how do you go from Watching your mom dig in the mud, and she is adamant she was not going to leave. She was going to go through every room piece by piece, find uh-huh. what she could. And I had to leave her and come home to my house that was still standing. The only problem I had was my tree shit. fell. I mean, the, the fence fell, and the neighbor's trees fell on my shed. And every single night I had to lay there and with that thought in my head going, oh my God, 
Right. And I'm like, but I, you can't be guilty about that. But I'm sure you feel that guilt because I, I suffer from that. I'm so bad about, well, my situation's bad, but I got through it. Somebody didn't or somebody had it worse or it could be 10 times worse. So you don't even give yourself the room to really feel sad about yourself because somebody will say you should have every right to feel sad at your fence that you paid for went down that the tree broke the shed like you should feel the ability to feel sad about that because you lost power too i mean it wasn't that was out of your but it's you seem even to the day you're like it was bad but i mean how bad was it really i mean you you treat it as if you didn't really you're not you're not a victim of anything and Truly, you are. No, your victim isn't as bad as your mom's case, but there's something you went through that, and that story matters. That's why when we, you told me, you're like, oh, no, I don't have much to talk about. You do, because to someone else, I've never had a hurricane. So even in my head, the situation is you tell me, I've never had anything that bad. Never. I've never had, we've had tornadoes, thunderstorms, maybe a power line down. I've never had where someone's coming in and throwing ice at me from a truck and me chasing them right. or seeing my parents do that. I mean, I tell everybody, the poorest I've ever been is the power's out, the gas is on, you can still run the water and get hot water from the stove. That's my version of poor. There are certain people who say, wow, you had electricity and power in the same house, I mean, and gas in the same house. I could only imagine. That doesn't make my situation any less bad. So I think it's fair to have these conversations or have the exposure because like you said, your story, you knew of a community that was worse. I still didn't know about that community without you having the knowledge. So it, it you can't dismiss what you went through because what you went through allows you to help somebody else go through something else or be more prepared. Now I can go and do more research into that community that's going through that, seeing if are there translator people available? Is there liaisons there to help? Like that stuff matters in a sense, and that's kind of why I wanted the conversation itself because it 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 matters. I don't have much to bring to the table when it comes to trauma like a hurricane. I'm also brand new, so now you're teaching me because I have a home, and a hurricane is maybe three well what fifteen miles away from us from the beach. What about fifteen miles from the beach? That means the wind is going to hit some part of us. There could be damage. Yeah, I would get more tornadoes, whereas I wouldn't get tornadoes. But, it, and, you know, it, it's crazy to think. I mean, like you say, y'all are 15 miles away from me. Mm-hmm. So, in the event that there was a hurricane in the Gulf, mm-hmm. okay, and y'all have a baby. Yes. Well, each one, our preparations would be completely different. And, okay, so now... Everybody has to look at it from a different perspective. Like y'all would be thinking, your your preparations would be different. You know, you would be like, if we're having a kid and right and all that stuff. Okay, because you can guarantee, you know, y'all are in a brick home. Mm -hmm. You're in Ocean Springs, you know, or Van Cleve. Y'all are a a decent distance away. Right, exactly. So you know, y'all's preparations would be like. Y'all would be like where I was mm-hmm. getting ready for Katrina, you know? And so y'all would probably have very minimal whatever, whereas you would have to, you're going to have to keep in mind that while you're thinking, oh my God, i got to make sure this baby's okay, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. she's going to be thinking about my mom is a block off the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, I know what this is going to be like. I know what this is going to be like. Oh so my we're God. trying to put our focus 
focuses are different because they have to be. Right, so while you'll be worrying about your family, mm -hmm. she's going to be worried about the family as well, but she's also going to remember, oh my God, my mom's so damn stubborn, you know, mm -hmm. we got to get her out of the house. You know, at least, if you're not going to come stay here, at least go stay with Mikey and Tay. Yes. You know, go go do something. Mm -hmm. And so everybody it is, and like I said, you figure I'm married to somebody from New York mm -hmm. or Michigan, whichever uh -huh. one, you know, either one, however you they want to look at it. That well, they haven't, but you also got to figure I'm in panic mode because I know, like Haley, she's going to know what it's like. So she's going to be, we need candles, we need this. Mike is thinking, we got Christmas candles from last year. If the power goes out, we'll go up in the attic and get them down. That's his preparation for a hurricane. Uh. So, I mean, he made zero effort, zero preparations for Katrina at all. Because, you know, well, but then again, that also comes from the, what you like to say, the privileged aspect of mm -hmm. it. Because, like his parents, it, it was hard for me to see my mom, who lost everything, and while I knew she would recover... You're still watching everything, and his family is it's over there at Ocean Springs talking about, well, hell, we're going to go to New York for a couple of months. You know, that's what It'd we're going to so do. It'd be so nice to be able to just even have the ability to go to New York. Hell, I, take me to Birmingham. <laughs> well, I mean, and they would, not they, I'm not going to say they, because, you know, his mom had health issues that she needed to go away anyway. Okay. But his dad would um, come by and visit us here, knowing we had no money. We're, all, we're outside, literally, with our clothes hung from the fence to the tree. There was extension cords, is uh -huh. what we ran. Not cables, whatever, extension cords. <laughs> so you could dry your clothes off. And hung our clothes. And you only got so much fence because half your fence is down. Right, So and this was all hanging out in the front yard. <laughs> we all, everybody was sitting out in the front yard because you had to be out there when the supplies come by. Okay. So that's where everybody's chilling. That sounds so animalistic if you think about it. Like, you sound like you're just a complete survivor mother. There's right. no humanity to even think about. And, and then, so imagine somebody from... drives up in this big-ass truck with the air conditioner running. Oh. And they roll down the window, hey, how y'all doing? And you know that they got enough money in their back pocket that they could buy and sell everything that you have on your property. And they just chop it up with you like it's cool. And then. Alright, I'm well, going back to my oasis of uh, beauty. Well, we were just coming by to see how y'all were doing. We're getting ready to go fill up this five ga I mean, this 55 gallon drum and get some gas so that we can get back and forth to Alabama. Really? Are you <laughs> kidding me? You're looking at your three grandchildren. And your son, regardless how you feel about me, this is your grandchildren and your son, and you can't even throw him a $20 bill? Or give him some of the damn gas out of the oil rig to help him out. Or, hey, we're leaving town. Do you want the groceries that we're not going to eat? <laughs> hey, do you want to go stay at our house because we didn't lose power? Uh, oh, so they're just leaving because they just don't want to be around it. They're leaving because it's you can't, you can't buy groceries, you can't do anything, so... Well, hell, we're going where we can, you know. Go do what we live our lives just Do what to, we do. See, now, 
So then you come back home and here you are and you're looking at this person that you're married and you're trying everything you can to keep from holding it against them. Because they're stuck in your situation. They're not stuck in the other right. situation. Right. I mean, it's it, it was tough. It was very, See, very, very tough. To me, that would have made and broken relationships that would have probably... I mean, that thought alone, I could never forgive somebody for that. Also... Right. Now, on my end, if I knew I had it, and if I, even if I'm going to be so, I'm not traveling down to see somebody less than to make me feel more empowered. Right. But I'm also, if I got $5, I can donate four and survive on one. That's only because I've seen my family do that. My parents are, my dad, his big statement, son, I don't have a lot of money. I got food. What I can give you, I will. My mom, a whole lot of money. She, what, she can, what she wants to give, she can. I mean... But me, I'm I'm a service guy. I don't really see the value in money anymore because I have an engineering job and hey, we get money. It's It comes and it goes. You have your highs and your lows. I'm also into experiences now. And I'm at that phase in my life where it's like I have to start telling myself it's okay for you to want something and you to go and get it and have to work it off. Because in my head, I'm like, well, it could be somebody worse. That type of mentality from seeing something like that after the disaster because I know, I think my first thing I'm going to realize once a hurricane happens is, I don't think that things will, like monetary things won't matter anymore. It'll be, well, what can you do for somebody else? Because even when I go to bed at night, somebody doesn't even get to go to sleep at night because they're less than, or they're working shifts. To me, it's like, if we got two extra rooms, if I can at least analyze this human being and make sure my family's safe, yeah, we got a room. But there's also a risk that comes into it. There's no right answer. And you want to help, but how much help can you do if you can't get down the street? Right. I mean, but if I could get down the street and help somebody out, I'm definitely going to go and help. To me, that almost doesn't seem like something to think about. It seems like something you should naturally have, especially if you're of X and Y religion. That's like in our book of my religion. You got to go help people who don't (laughs) have it if you got it. Well, you know, you didn't even have to be a, a religion. It was, I can remember also I, when we were at work, because, you know, Walmart has the tin roof. Uh-huh. And almost like immediately after, it seemed like after Hurricane Katrina hit, mm-hmm. um, it, the you know, you had random stray storms that would come in. Really? And I could remember, not not like hurricanes, but, you know, like a any storm, rain. But so you, you figure... It. People had roof leaks. Uh-huh. People, their roof was gone, but their house was still standing. Mm-hmm. Um, they had blue tarps on their roofs, oh, whatever. God. And I can remember, or, you know, they were, you would literally ride down the street and people would be sleeping on their front porch, you know, because that's all that was left. It, and it was terrible. There were so many because of all of our houses that, you know, were off the ground. Uh-huh. Um... You would see sets of stairs that led to nothing. The whole house would be gone. But the stairs would still be standing. They gotta break and somebody hard, man. I can remember being at work and I heard that that trickling, you know, on the roof and you're like, Oh my god. It's raining. And immediately you're thinking about, about somebody all who doesn't have a roof. People who don't have roofs, have blue tarps, have the you know, they're in a tent on their front porch, they're in their driveway, you know, and I mean, 
it, you, it just made you so human. It made you feel everything, like everything. It was nuts. You, you never thought you would appreciate the power company like you did. <laughs> you know, I mean, we would sit outside and they would come riding by and we were like, oh, oh yeah. my God, yeah, The bills yes, still yes. come, don't they? You still got bills to pay. Oh, yeah. So there's no pause in no. any of that. Like we did get, we did. I don't remember exactly. You got a credit what back, probably maybe. No, we didn't get a credit back. We got like a break on the power bill. I want to say they, you know, your mortgage company would allow you to, if you needed to. Did they pause the interest at least? No. Oh. No, but you could skip your payment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, without a late fee. Okay. Whatever they just put it at the back of the book. Um, there was just different things like that, you know, but. Just, I mean, the, the stuff that you just feel, because, you know, it, it, I mean, it was not, you, if you went outside, say you had charcoal, which, I mean, y'all's neighborhood is just awesome anyway. Yeah, no, we were, we were saying that, me and Haley were talking about that on my way here, that the quality of a neighbor matters once catastrophe happens. Like, my neighborhood's type of neighborhood, I move into the neighborhood and they give a party and confetti and... I don't have to clean up the confetti. My neighbor cleans up the confetti while they also hosted the party. Or if I grill, I make a slab of ribs for them because they all have money. Or And it, to me, it's like, if we all had money or if none of us had money, what do you bring to the table outside of money? And our neighbors bring so much more to it. I would think... Wait, you know what? Literally, when you think about how y'all's neighborhood is, mm-hmm. okay, you know how, like, when... When, well, I mean, when we were looking and Haley was going to buy the house, I could remember when we, we rode down there and we made that little cul-de-sac mm-hmm. and everybody was outside and kids were outside and the neighbors were in their driveways and they had their garages open. Everybody was outside. That and how everybody talked to, you know, y'all mm-hmm. all know each other. Mm-hmm. Y'all all are welcome in each other's yards, houses, what have you. Mm-hmm. That's how it was after Katrina. So it makes you wonder, why can it be that way Everywhere. after a natural disaster? But it's n- now everybody, you know, your doors are locked, your, you know, privacy fences, mm-hmm. guns, you know, I got this gun, I got that gun, let me put this sign up, you know, um, don't come over here, I don't want to talk to you, you know, you walk Fear. outside, who says, hey, how you doing, or good morning? Fear. You don't do that, but you let a storm hit? Well, you don't have oh, a choice. Oh, and you gonna love them. Well, you gotta think about it this way, Mom. If you have a, a privacy fence or windows that protect you with curtains that can cover everything from being seen, what happens when a natural disaster pushes away all of your privacy? Now you're visible. So now people have to see you not for what you bring, but who you are. You don't have a choice. It's like... <clears throat> Everybody got on clothes so you can judge clothes, right? Mm-hmm. If everybody naked, now what? You can't judge the body parts. They're all the same. Right. <laughs> That's what you have to do during a catastrophe because it's like you're just grabbing a mask and pulling it off and people have to see you exactly for who you are. There's no potential there. There's no power. There's no cleaning yourself up and putting on makeup. You think somebody's worried about putting on makeup during a natural no, disaster? No, but or... that's not exactly what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is, you know... um, your howdy partner, you know that fella is gonna be like, "Hey, I'm I'm getting ready to light up the grill. You got some meat over there. You want me to throw in the grill for you? Or hey, you want to come over here and eat with us? You know?" And you're like, "Damn, 
Well, Bubba yeah. ain't talked to me all the whole time because I lived here. Because for the first time in Bubba's life, he got to see what it could be. That changes things. I tell everybody what you see is more. I've seen different sides. Me and you connect because we've seen privilege to poverty to, I don't know what we would consider ourselves, not comfortability. We've seen the different phases. Right. If I lived in just privilege, I couldn't even, under, I would say, well, why don't you just get up and work? It's simple, maybe, but what are you working towards? What is the matter? Like, you have to be able to connect and see yourself in someone's situation for you to ever have any emotion towards it. Or you'll ne- To me, I guess, I don't really sympathize with super rich people that, like, are millionaires. What do they really have to worry about in my head? I've never been there. There might be something going on that if they got to where I am, how could I see them? That's why we idolize all the star people falling. That makes them like us. Relatability, whether good or bad, is what every human is desiring from another person. Once it's an actual fact, there's no. it could be worse when there's no power. It is worse. It's worse for everybody now. Now what can... Now you can see certain things. You have to, I guess, it's taking a step back to see something bigger is what I think the hurricane did for the community and in general. You saw, damn, I'm so glad I had this grill, but they don't have this grill to cook on. I can't be, I can't do much else with the grill. Your selfishness goes away because there's only so much, I mean, yeah, you got a grill and you can cook, but you can only cook. X amount because you don't have no storage to keep it. Mm-hmm. You might as well feed it to somebody and maybe in good hopes. And if I think the faith starts to really occur once the bad happens. Once it's happened, you know, I, I get the fear. Like, what if I lost everything? I probably get a little more selfish. I want to protect it. I want to protect it. Once it's gone, though, now what? I think the now what that everybody could relate to made everybody the same because there's no fear. It's there. It's happened. Now what? I think after the now what, though, probably society built itself back up and the fear of the next started to scare people. So I feel like it's only a temporary time between the fear and the now what. Because you go, fear, scared. Then it happens. Now well, what? Would you say, and then you would build you yourself back that, up. Um, like when you asked me about faith. Uh-huh. Would you think that, or would you say, or do you feel, what are your thoughts about, um, do you think that catastrophic things, natural disasters, whether if it's uh, fires, Mm -hmm. hurricanes, Mm -hmm. um, floods, you know, I mean, because like, let's, I mean, global warming is for real, you know, so you look at all the crazy weather that is going on all over the place, you know, and... I think it's faith-driven by itself. If you look in my faith, a flood happened. And everybody had to get to their self together. In my faith, people put on clothes and they were punished. Putting on a natural element like a tree got you punished because you're no longer a human. I think natural disasters are designed to make us remember our place in all of this. And in actuality, these materialistic things only make us feel like we're more God-like. They don't make us want to veer towards God. A natural disaster, there is no money that can stop the weather from happening. There is nothing you can do other than your faith that it will not be as damaging. 
That's all you get. It happens all the time. I mean, if you think about, in my, I'm Christian, obviously. Revelations is fire. That's an element that's naturally going to happen. That's going to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. The beginning is water. I mean, water's everywhere. I mean, God's put water in the middle. West wind. He had I mean, kid, because like a few it's, it's all natural events are always seemingly to be tied into very big miracles. I mean, people walked over fire or they walked on water. It, it almost seems like natural elements bring us back to our natural stasis of being human and seeing each other as just humans. I don't see... Um, Do you think it's coincidence where it happens, though? Where it like, happens? Like, I mean, because, for instance, no. if you look before Hurricane Camille... Mm-hmm. Not Katrina, but Camille. Mm-hmm. There were strip clubs and mafia and um, casinos mm-hmm. and all that good stuff up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then Camille hit and it was gone. It wiped everything. And it was gone. It was a wrap. Well, we didn't have, I mean, I grew up my whole childhood. There was no casinos. I mean... We had service drives, we had seawalls, we mm-hmm. had beach, we had hotels, but all that craziness, I mean, there was maybe one or two strip clubs, but I could remember my mom telling me before Camille that the whole, both sides of Highway 90, like it is now, mm-hmm. all the way down was just restaurants and bars and clubs and all that good stuff. I think, I mean... If you really believe in faith, there's always going to be some natural readjustment that has to happen. I mean, because it's common as a society. Once we see us with power, it changes us. That's the strip clubs, that's power. I mean, well, I'm not talking about so much like strip clubs, but, but I think the, the corruption. The, the... I think once we make other things into God, God reminds us exactly who he is. So he takes away what is considered our God. Because somebody's not going to say no. A strip club isn't my God, but adultery is a form. Uh, it's something that God does not approve of right. because he knows. I think the things that we... Well, that and gluttony. And I think the things that influence us to be less human is the things that God desires us to stay away from. Mm-hmm. And once we become too obsessive, even though it's unfortunate, I think we have to be reminded in the worst ways. Because it's like a kid. If you tell a kid, don't forge a signature... And that's all you say. They don't see the damages that comes with it. If they get caught forging that signature and you get a whooping, I don't want that whooping again. So I'm not gonna force the signature again. I don't think I could come in with a belt every single day and whoop people, but he can also. And no one's gonna admit that they did wrong. If I know I got a problem, I'm not gonna tell everybody. Yeah, no, I have a problem. Or if you know that adultery and the sinfulness is um, an addiction. You're not going to tell anybody to stop it because some part of you likes it. How are you going to get it to stop? Because more people are doing it than more people aren't. If the strip clubs get washed away, that's nobody's fault. There's no one to blame. I feel like he, the faith puts that, how do I break it down? It's the necessary evil that you can only blame. What you going to do? You can't sue a hurricane. Mm-mm. I think that's, that's God's ironic way of saying, all right, I'll handle this for you guys without making you have to fight over it with someone else. Because, I mean, I guess a Christian guy would say, oh, that's just God doing his thing. And somebody else would say, no, it's a natural disaster. It doesn't matter. I think God works as he doesn't care who gets the credit. He just wants to heal. So I would take that as 
It makes sense that natural disasters do occur in certain locations. Las Vegas seems to have a lot of earthquakes. Yeah, I can see that. I honestly, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, mean, I never thought like about it. It's like after Camille, every, all of it was gone. Uh-huh. Okay, so it was in the early 90s because I remember um, the year that Haley was born, mm-hmm. I was pregnant. That was when the casinos opened. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they were open roughly 10 years and Katrina hit and they were all gone again. Mm-hmm. And now, here they are, all built back again, bigger and better. I mean, God knows they are, and now they're no longer on barges and all that. So, you know, and looking at how much everything has built up again here and how, I mean, it's it's booming. Mm-hmm. I mean, the economy is, is awesome right now. <clears throat> that, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, they keep saying, well, history repeats itself. And you keep saying, well... Why stay here if you know another storm is going to come eventually? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it just makes you wonder. Um, if we're all going to be put, be put back on the same playing field again. Maybe. I think uh, uh, my mom always tells me this. She says, if you didn't get the lesson the first time, God will give it right back to you. Mm-hmm. So I think. Because my way of solving it, running away and never coming here, doesn't actually fix what the original problem might be. So I do think it is quite ironic that hurricanes follow the same path. And I think it's ironic that people just want to get right back to where they were mm-hmm. instead of being something better than what they were. Which means I think the lesson is missed every single time because <laughs> you're, you go from having it to losing it to wanting back what you had rather than wanting more. And I think, in my faith, God desires you to have more. So once I'm too big to wear some outfits that I can't wear anymore, I don't think that's God punishing me. I think he's telling me, I want to give you more clothes you've grown. I think people are too obsessed with getting right back to normalcy rather than evolution, if that makes sense. It just seems like the second something happens, kind of I got to call my insurance so I can get back whatever I had rather than I need to grow or, okay, I didn't need this as much. What can I do? How can I repurpose this for better? So me, if my house isn't damaged, what can I I can give service. I can go and help somebody else put up wood for free because I know how to do it. Now, I'm no professional, in, but what I'm a professional at, if I know I got it, let me go and help. I'm really good at engineering, which means I can understand circuitry. I can understand this. I have sources. If I can give my service more so than without payment, I think I'm doing a better job of it. And I think that's what we that's what we keep missing, seems like it. Because we're right. looking still, even when catastrophic happens, we don't look towards God. People don't look towards religion to save them from their problems. We look towards some government aid, some funding insurance company. We don't ever look to say, hey, can my neighbor help me knock on the, put this wood together and build this house back up without it having to cost an arm and a foot? Mm-hmm. So I think, in my opinion... Nobody's still figuring out the lesson. That's why it keeps occurring. And also, I just find it weird that we can track everything about weather, but there's nothing we can do to veer it off a little bit. Like, you would think by now, hurricanes seem to have the same track. There's no way we can dig a tunnel and make it go another route. 
Like, how can we not... We, we seem still lost on a lot of it because I think that's God. There's a lot of stuff we just cannot control. Mm-hmm. And once we learn to accept that, it'll change everything. Because, yes, you're right. I still, I, I worry about that, but I still move down to Biloxi. Because if I have a faith, if he takes it, he's going to give me something back better. Right. He doesn't take it from me because he's punishing me. I don't think anything God does, in my opinion, is punishment. I think you can gain something out of it. A hurricane to me, you, you value other things outside of just money. I don't see money out of you guys. Oh, I see, God, I can't. Let's I see, see humanity. I see you being a human. I see you saying, hey, my friend needs a bed. I have plethora of beds. You can have my bed. I think things like hurricanes help build that type of character in you because you got to see it. I still don't think, even though you said your relatives came and visited on your husband's side, they didn't see it because they weren't looking. They weren't there being able to, to make themselves say, this could be me. They were trying to look for a validation that it just wasn't them. Right. And that's the difference that I see in the lessons of when catastrophe happens, those are your options. You can either get better from it, or you're going to be more of who you are. That's what I think a natural disaster reveals. It's like money. Because I think, they say money don't make you any worse, it just makes you more of who you are. Lack of money makes you more of who you are. No money makes you more of who you are. Once the things that are outside of God's values are gone, who are you? Some people don't want to deal with that realization, and some people do. Me, I know who I am. I'm going to help out people, no matter what that means. Even if I get burned, I don't think it's me getting being being burned by man doesn't mean I'm being burned by God. So I can live with the results of me getting burned. You work the same. I've never seen you not be a generous human being, ever. Right. And maybe if you were more selfish, you could probably have X and Y and Z more of what these people say you should want. But you know exactly what you want. You find the value of it. When I see you, the things I know you spend money on, God's works. You love a cruise. When you go on a cruise, you have nothing to do but look at everything that God has made. Right. I think that is so crazy to me. Like, I would think, oh, I got all this extra money. Me, I'm a tech guy. I think technology is the most amazing thing God's ever created. So cool. I want the newest this, that, and the third technology-wise. I want to make my house a smart house. I want to see what it feels like and say, hey, Alexa, turn on this. And she does it. To me, that, that's my itch. Trips ain't all that big on me because that means I got to sit down and embrace it. I'm always on the move. You seem to value things outside of, I got to work my ass off to go and buy this thing. You want to work your ass off so when you take your rest, you don't feel guilty about it. I can appreciate that. I mean, for me, and I mean, I don't know if it's because when I was younger, and I'm talking about... 13 years old, mm-hmm. I, I can remember my parents lost our house in bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And everything that we had, I, we had to leave. And they put the lock on the door, and it was a wrap. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got to take our clothes, but I mean... What is that? When you we went from the house to an apartment. And it was nuts to me, because while my parents still tried to make it as normal as possible... You knew it was different. I'm going, my God, you know, we had a house, we had a big piece of property, we had everything, and I mean, my dad was 
worked on the oil rigs. I mean, this ain't supposed to happen, but no. they had the oil field crunch and they laid a bunch of people off. And, you know, I mean, you're used to living at this level and now you have nothing. And then again, like I said, while I didn't lose anything in Katrina, I watched a lot of people lose everything. And so you're thinking to yourself, my God, you know, I mean, you literally can, I mean, in the blink of an eye, everything be gone. Mm. So now, I mean, I am literally somebody that doesn't even have a junk drawer. <laughs> I don't. I mean, like, I, honest to God, don't, I have that, that, I have my safe with all my stuff in it, uh -huh. and then I have that box of pictures. I do know you have the picture box. And that's it. I'm, You'll throw stuff away quick, too. I, I have looked. I, hell, I don't keep the same Christmas tree from year to year. Nope. So, I, I just, I mean, materialistic things, I just, I don't know. No, that's not, for what? You know, I mean, and why have stuff if you're not going to share it with everybody around you? You know, I mean, if, if you can't come here and feel comfortable and welcome, then what good is this house? Yeah. You know, so I mean, and uh, I don't know if, if Katrina did that to me. I don't know if the bankruptcy early on mm -hmm. or just knowing, like I said, everything that you know and love, it, whether if it's your neighborhood, your your town, mm -hmm. you know, um, a park that you went to, you know, where, hell, you, you, wouldn't, you couldn't even take your dogs to the dog park. Uh, you know, imagine, imagine y'all having your dogs, and you go to bed tonight, and you wake up tomorrow, and your fence is down. How are they going to potty? We got to put Not you're not just your fence, but your neighbor's fence, and this one and that one and everybody. You know, when now everybody, everybody's fences are down. Everybody's out in their front yards, and their kids are out in the front yards. Y'all's kid is out in the front yard, and. Now these animals are just roaming and dogs show up that you ain't never seen before. And you gotta the damn, hope they're not hostile. Right. The critters that that flew, that were blown in from, you know, like the islands out there from, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Katrina bought, I will, oh my God, Haley, remember the biting flies? <laughs> Them giant black biting flies. Yeah. I remember um, radio, that damn dog that kept showing up. These flies, I'm telling you what, they would land on you and bite. I, we were like, what is the deal? What is going on? Where did these come from? And you don't know. And then, you know, you hear it on the TV. When the TV finally comes back, oh, yeah, I mean, have y'all witnessed this? This blue wind from Katrina or this blue wind from South America. Or whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, from Mexico and here and there. And you're going, what in the world? Are you kidding me? But, I mean, I, I I learned that. Hell, and then back to back to back to back wrecks. I don't care about my car. You, I am not going to fix something up that I could go to bed and wake up tomorrow and it's gone. Yeah. I'm not. I mean. It's fair. It, I, I, your kids, your family, you know, the people around you, y'all's neighbors. Oh, my God. I would take care of the neighbors. Before I took care of half my damn family. Oh, my grandmama. You love my grandmama. I love, oh my God, I love your grandmama. Shout out to Grandma Ella. Well, uh, I'm going to get ready to conclude this because we can keep talking. Um, 
My last thought for someone would be you are a paycheck or a catastrophic event away from losing it all. So you better figure out exactly who you are. Mom, any last thoughts? You wrapped it up very well. I appreciate that. Well, thank you guys for listening to this story. And here's to more stories. Uh, This is Trevon Allen out.